following is a podcast of 19 North, a young adults ministry at Victory Family Church. For more details, see 19north.tv. All right, all right. You guys can go ahead and have a seat. We'll get started tonight. How's everybody doing tonight? You guys enjoy your summer? I know colleges, colleges are going back to school this weekend, and they start next weekend. But, man, we're so glad you guys are here. If you guys weren't here last year, man, uh, last, last, last weekend, we had a blast at Summerfest. I mean, it was wild. I never thought we could have that much fun at church. We had a uh, sl- uh, slip and slide downhill. Uh, we didn't have anybody get hurt on the slip and slide, but we did have somebody get eight stitches playing volleyball. So I'm like, oh, man, how did that happen? But like Laura said, in two weeks, we have our 19 North kickoff, and it's going to be an amazing time. It's a huge time for us as a ministry as we enter into growth. And one of the things that we really want to do at our kickoff is make connections. We want to make sure that you guys are connecting with our leaders and that we're connecting with you and that you guys are connecting with each other. So what we're going to do is we're actually giving over $1,500 worth of gift cards out to Starbucks and Applebee's. And you're probably saying, why would you waste that kind of money? To be truthful with you, that's one of our values here is connection. So what we want you guys to do with those gift cards is actually after 19 North or the following day or the following week, take that gift card and go um, out to eat or go to get a drink with somebody that's here at 19 North. Also, we're going to be having a candy bar uh, before service. We're going to have a taco bar. It's just going to be so much fun. And then after service, we're actually going to head out to the patio area. We have, I believe we have 18 knocker balls those huge uh, blow-up balls, we're, we're just going to have fun with that as well. So make sure you put in your calendar September 10th at 8.30. It's going to be a blast. But tonight, guys, I want to talk to you about a message that I believe can impact your life in such a way that years later you look back and say, man, my life has been significantly changed because of this moment here at, Thri- uh, here at 19 North. And I want to talk to you guys about an idea that you guys probably never heard of. In fact, I guarantee you, an idea that you never heard of before. See, we heard heard this before. We know why Jesus has come, but we really don't know how he came. It says, the why behind Jesus coming, he says, I came to seek and save the lost. Another why is he said, I I did not come to to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom. He said, "I, I came down to die for the sinners and not for the righteous. See, we understand why Jesus came, but a lot of times we don't understand how he came. How did Jesus come? How did Jesus come? It says in Luke 7, 34, the Son of Man came eating and drinking. How did Jesus come? He came eating and drinking. He actually came eating and drinking so much that people looked at him and and they said this statement, Jesus is a glutton and a drunkard. And I know what some of you guys are thinking. You're like, my gosh, I did not know I had that that much in common with Jesus. (laughs) But he came eating and drinking. And I want to talk to you guys about, about this topic, we're better together. And I want to use this imagery of breaking bread. We're better together because we break bread. Many years ago in my, in my high school career, one of my, four of my main uh, food choices were this. 
This is where I, I love to eat. It was Taco Bell, McDonald's, Wendy's, and the hot dog shop. I love going to those places. But now that I'm a little bit older, I graduated college, I have a car, and I can drive. One of, my, one of the, the, the four main things where I get my food, the resources I get my food, is Chick-fil-A. Come on. Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A. And Chick-fil-A all day. I love me some waffle fries with the grilled chicken uh, nuggets with ketchup and mayonnaise. I like to swirl that thing around. That's my secret sauce. And I love to top it off with a large ice cream cone at the end. But the thing is, I'm actually getting married in about two months. And yeah, and she's smoking hot, and I can't wait for that wedding night. Just saying hello. <laughs> but I am excited to get married. But one thing I'm not too excited about is the way that I need to eat. And I love her cooking. Every time I have her cooking, it is absolutely amazing. But when I look in her pantry and I look in, in, in her refrigerator, I, I see these four things. I see gluten-free, organic, vegan, and non-GMO. And I'm like, what is this madness? I'm used to going to Sheets, grabbing, grabbing a, a pint of Ben and & Jerry's and getting some eggs and going home and, and cooking some stuff up. I don't look at all that stuff. But when I was in her, in her refrigerator not too long ago, there was a description of her eggs that said this. An organic, grade-A, pasture-raised, large egg. And I'm like, what the heck is this madness? Like, is this just a cell scheme or what? But it gets worse. I'm telling you, it gets worse. The milk, okay, the milk says this, almond, non-dairy, certified organic, and non-GMO milk. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And sometimes I'm like, I just want to rebel. I just want to go to a cow and just take 2% milk and just say, you know what? To a cow that's, that, that wasn't treated humane, I'm just like, I just want to be crazy. I just want to live a little bit. What's up with all this organic, non-GMO, vegan stuff? But in the New Testament, guys, meals were more than something that you enjoyed or, or you went to because it was good. See, I'm Italian. I like my sp spaghetti and meatballs and my garlic bread and my homemade sauce. I love that stuff. But in the New Testament, it was more than just getting together. Eating a meal, it meant it was, a, it was an event that lasted for several hours. And the reason they, they got together is families would invite other families together. And sometimes they would invite people that they didn't even know because they wanted deep fellowship and community with one another. And if you guys ever read Revelations, you see that the, the, that the author talks about having a banquet. All I know is there's going to be some banquets in heaven, and I am looking forward to partying in heaven. I don't know about you. But the first century believers, they truly believe this. You can experience God most by breaking bread in community and having fellowship. In fact, Jesus, the night before he was betrayed, he, he, he went into uh, the upper room. And what did he do? He gathered his closest friends, his closest followers, his best friends, and he broke bread. Jesus broke bread. And I want to, what I want to do tonight is I want to look at an imagery of breaking bread or the fellowship or community that is found in Acts chapter 2. And this is a powerful text from Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47. And this is probably the best story in the New Testament that we actually see what the first century believers actually did on a continual basis. 
And it says in Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. I just want to hold on right there. You notice that it said they were devoted to breaking of bread and fellowship. I feel like a lot of times we, we go by, you know, why don't we just get together? It's a spur of the moment. Hey, you're not doing anything. I'm not doing anything. Let's get together and have a meal. Or it's on your terms. You know what? I feel like having a meal with that person today. Or I feel like taking them out to eat. And it's always, it's always convenient for us. But what I realized when I, when I read Acts chapter 2 in the first century believers, they, they, they made it an appointment with one another. They, they took out their iPhones, they put it in their calendar, said every Saturday at 3 o'clock after church, we're getting together because we are devoted to one another. It says everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Do you know signs and wonders happen today? You know signs and wonders happen in this ministry? Over two weeks ago, one of my leaders came up to me she said, Zach, I think you need to talk about this right now. And it was during worship. And she said, there's, there's, a couple, there's a couple people in here that's contemplating committing suicide. And at the time, I'm like, man, I don't know what to do with that. Like, we're in the middle of worship. What do I do? So I came up and I, I began to, to exhort a little bit, say, man, you know that God has a plan and a purpose, that you're a child of the Most High. And I had, I had them go in the back room, and we had two people that went back there and said, if it wasn't for, for you guys tonight, I was contemplating on committing suicide. How awesome is that? We're seeing signs and wonders in our days today. And it says this, all the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to, to anyone who had a need. And if you look in Acts chapter 4, if you go a couple chapters later, you see that there was no needs left that, that had to be filled because the, the apostles and the people that gathered, they found a need and they filled it. They sold everything that they had so they could take care of somebody who had a need. And it says every day they continued to meet together in the temple court. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Question. Does your life look like that? Does your life look like the first century believers, the followers of Christ? Does it look like that? Because it can. Your life can look like that. You can be a person that can see many signs and wonders. You can be a person who sees people being saved daily and I'm not saying this and asking this question so I can point a finger and say, shame on you. If you were just holy enough, then maybe your life would look like the first century believers. See, I ask this question not to put shame or condemnation on you guys, but to get you really thinking about what it looks like to be a true follower of Christ. I don't know about you, but there's sometimes where I go through the motions with my walk with God. I go and say, God, I'll give you five minutes, but I got to go. I have a packed day. Or God, I'll come to you when it's convenient. But that's not what we see with the first century gatherers. They, they met together daily. They broke bread together daily. 
And there was a study done not that long ago, and there was a study on why community was not as impactful as it was in the past. And there was a few things that came up, and one of them was the AC unit. I'm not sure if if you remember, but in the 1900s, in in the late 1900s, there was no AC units in the house. So people literally, when they got home from work, they would have to sit out on the porch and they would be talking to their neighbors and they would be communi- uh, c- communicating and, and getting together as a community. But once the AC unit came in and the AC, um, let's just say, I have a house and I don't have an AC unit and it is horrible. Me and my, me and my buddy Jojo, I mean, we live in a two-bedroom house. It gets hot in there. Trust me, in the summer it gets hot and I never want to be home. But the AC unit is one of the reasons why community and fellowship doesn't occur like it does back in the day. Another one is caller ID. How many of you guys use your caller ID? I know I do. When I see somebody that I don't want to talk to at that specific time, I'm like, man, if I pick up this phone, they're probably going to talk my ear off for the next hour. So, so what do I do? I, I see that they called me, and I, I let it go to the voicemail. And then I listened to the voicemail. I was like, okay, maybe this will be a two-minute conversation. But the caller ID is something that, that, is, that is dividing us as a community. And then shopping online. Man, people shop online all the time. And it's convenient. I love to shop online because when I go to the stores, I'm like, man, there's too many options here. There's nobody that will wait on me. Why not just shop online? And lastly, it's technology. It's social media and Instagram, and I love, I love technology. I think technology is great, but when you only have to press uh, the, the screen twice to say that you like a picture, and people really think that you actually care about them, and that they're actually your friends, like when you add them on Facebook, that's more like people were thinking, man, he's actually my friend, instead of when you guys actually hang out together. See, social media is also bridging a gap with community, but I want to present an opportunity to you guys tonight an opportunity that is so much better, a a committed community of people. We break bread together because we love one another, and we really truly, uh, truly celebrate the presence of God because we cannot do it alone. We need other believers to join hands, to join voice, and to worship a living God, a God who loves us, a God who cares about us, a God who sent his one and only son to die for us, We cannot do life alone. We need one another because we are better together. And I want to give you two thoughts of how we could share the love of God with one another. But before I do that, before I share with you, can we not agree that America, it's all about independence. It's all about being financially independent. It's all about being relationally independent. We just want to be independent as a person. But there's a problem to that. There's a huge problem to that, especially for us Christ followers, because that's the exact opposite of what Christ has called us to be as followers of Christ. He's saying, no, 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 I need you to be interdependent with one another. I need you to be dependent on me. But our culture is saying, be independent. Do your own thing. You'll make it. Climb the corporate ladder. Cut people underneath. Do what you have to do to be financially independent. And I was in marriage class, and I learned there's three types of relationships in life. The first one is A-frame, the second one is M-frame, and the third one is H-frame. See, A-frame, it's, it's the codependency, and this is an unhealthy relationship. 
where you literally, everything that you do has to be approved by that, that significant other. Everything that you do has to be approved by, by your, your friend. And we go through life and we think, man, I can't do life alone. I, I can't make this, uh, big decisions on my own. But that's actually unhealthy. And then you have the H relationship where it's c- completely independence, where you do your own thing, I do my own thing. There, there's a little gap in between us. We'll come together at night. We'll do our things, and then we'll continue to, to live our own lives. But then there's the M frame. The M frame is the interdependent. It's what we need as followers of Christ. We need one another to do this life. We need to depend on God to get us through this life together. Because there's a difference between having a personal relationship with Jesus and a shared relationship with Jesus. In our churches today, guys, I'm just going to be completely blunt with you. It's all about having a personal relationship with Jesus. It's all about you do your thing. You read your Bible. You spend time with God. But I think there's something greater than that. And that's having a shared relationship with Jesus. We need a shared relationship with Jesus because we best experience the presence of God together in the context of community. And the two thoughts that I want to encourage you on today is this. The first one is this. Share the love of Jesus with other believers at church. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 says this. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. And I want to stop there for just a minute. Do you have a community that thinks about other people? Do you have friend groups that, that, that want to make a difference in this world? Or when you guys get together, is it where we're going to eat tonight? Or where we're going to go shop? Or what game we're going to? Do you have a community of people that says, man, how can I make this world a better place? How can I make a bigger impact in this world? How can I serve in my church? And he goes on to say, not giving up meeting together as some are doing in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. And one of the biggest challenges with people is giving up. They're giving up on corporate worship. There was a study done that, that, that surveyed how many people went to church on a, on, on a monthly basis. And it breaks my heart to see that one out of every four person, people that attend church regularly come once a month. They think that they're a regular attender by coming once a month. And I don't know what to do with that. I honestly don't know what to do that. I don't know how I can impart and help you guys out and how we can help you guys out by coming once a month. But I think there could be a sigh of relief because you guys are here tonight. It's those people that did not make it here. But it's a big concern that we have in the church and the body of Christ that people are going their own way. They're doing their own thing. They're considering listening to a podcast online, their church service, or they're going to church. But once a month, guys, it's like telling me that, that I can only eat once a week. Or it's like telling me if I, if I want to get bigger, you can only go to the gym once a week for an hour. Chances are that, that, that I'm not going to grow and develop the way I would like. See, Jesus broke bread, and he came together eating and drinking. We need one another, guys. We need fellowship. We need community. And the second one is this, we share the love of Jesus with committed community of people. For the longest time, I really didn't have that many friends. I had friends in college, but once I graduated, I was looking for a good group of friends that I could spend time with. 
For about a year, I, I really only had one true friend. I'm like, God, I, I need friends. Like, I, I can't do this life alone. Like, I'm struggling here. I need somebody that can help challenge me and pick me up and encourage me. And it took about a year before I finally saw the fellowship and the community starting to come around me. And I can honestly say today, I am the most fulfilled I've ever been in my life because of the friendships that I have. And I'm not saying we don't get on each other's nerves or we, we, we don't get each other under each other's skins, but man, we do life together. There's not a day that I don't text somebody or, or give them a call or hang out. And there was, another, there was another time when I took over Thrive, which is our high school ministry. So I oversee our high school ministry and our young adults ministry, 19 North. And people would come up to me and they said, Zach, how do you have time for anything? How do you have time to hang out with your friends, spend time with your fiance? And I said, guys, to be honest with you, and this, this is my only answer that I could ever think of, it's I have an amazing team that I work with. I get to serve with an amazing leadership team that actually takes up each other's hands and we lift one another up. We say, you know what? We're going to fight life through together. Do you have community? Do you guys have fellowship? Do your lives look like the first century believers? I want to read this again. Acts 2, 46 through 47 says, They broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor, all, uh, favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. I want to read a testimony of, of somebody's life that was changed by coming to 19 North and getting plugged into a small group. This, this woman came over from, from South Africa. Her parents, are, are um, they work at Westinghouse. And she said this, when I moved to the U.S., I didn't have a lot of friends, and I had nowhere I felt like I belonged. My mom found a small group online, and I knew nothing about victory at this point, and she forced me to sign up for it. Against my will, I went, and, and the first night, I loved the small group. It gave me a place where I belonged. Even if it was just for an hour on a Wednesday night, the relationships in the small groups grow stronger and stronger each week. And even after the small group was done, I continued to spend time with those, with those friends. Today, I can honestly say I have met my best friends in that small group. And it was, it was them who encouraged me to take my next steps. And they were there for me when things got a little messy. But they still encouraged me to chase the, the God dream and to follow his destiny for my life. Small groups have changed my life. See, why did Jesus come? He said, I, I've come that you might have life and life abundantly. He said that I, I did not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom. How did Jesus come? He came eating and drinking. He came doing life with other people. He brought his best friends together, and he broke bread. Because he understood this, that we are better together. Because we should not just have a personal relationship with Jesus. But we need to share, uh, 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 have a shared faith and, and relationship with Jesus. Because that's where we experience God the best. As followers of Christ, we break bread together. What I want to do now is I want everybody to just bow their heads and close their eyes. And we want to offer up an invitation to make Jesus the Lord of your life. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. I'm going to simply just ask you to raise your hand and Jesus will come into your life. So with every head bowed and eyes closed, 
If you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life tonight, I want you to simply raise your hand in the count of three. One, two, three. Is there anybody here? I see that hand. Is there anybody else here that wants to make Jesus the Lord of their life? I see that hand. Awesome. What I want to do as a, a community and as a family, I want, I want everybody to repeat after me for those who raise their hand. This is a simple prayer of faith, and Jesus will come into your heart. Repeat after me. Dear Father God, I thank you for what you have done and the price you have paid. Right now, I turn away from my sin, and I turn towards you. I accept you as the Lord and Savior of my life, and I know my life will never be the same because you came into my heart. We ask this in your name. Amen, amen. Let's give it up for those guys.